Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hello and welcome back to episode 289 of Sexology Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali. And as always, I am super excited that you are joining us today. I know in the United States and the rest of the world, things have been very chaotic. I'm planning to do a couple bonus episodes to talk about reproductive rights and things of that nature. But I hope you are taking a pause to take care of yourself because watching these news, depending on your political view, it can be very painful and heavy. But today we're going to talk about something fun. We're going to talk about how busy parents, they can get their groove back. I meet a lot of parents that they tell me that their sex life drastically changed after having a kid. They talked about how they drifted apart, how things went from good to bad. And there's just all sorts of tales that I hear about this. So I thought it would be fantastic to have one of my friend and colleague who is specialized working with parents, and she's also a mother of three, to teach us some of the strategies that she has been implementing in her life and with her clients so we can get some ideas on what is possible. In this episode, we're going to talk about how a parent can manage to take some time for sex, because even we know if you are a busy parent, finding a time it can be challenging. We're going to talk about how you can Put yourself in the mood for a quickie because sometimes 10 minutes, it's all you have. We're going to talk about a few simple, sexy date nights that you can do for for your, you and your partner and some spicy one. We have some mild, moderate and very spicy ones. And we also talk about some of the different ways that you can keep the passion alive. Melissa Dumas is a licensed marriage and family therapist, best-selling author and a podcaster. She specializes in guiding clients through the complexities of overcoming trauma, grief, and loss, and improving their relationship satisfaction. Melissa passionately supports high achievers that hide their pain and neglect themselves with everyday stressors of their personal and or professional lives. A big advocate for self-care, she weaves that component in her work with all of her clients. Melissa sees clients through her practice, You Help You, where she offers EMDR therapy and believes that a healthy you starts with making new choices to live your best life. Before we go into the episode, I wanted to take a moment and thank our sponsor, Cozy Earth. Cozy Earth is a premium bamboo bedding, and I'm personally obsessed with their sheets. I'll tell you about some of my favorite products that they have at the end, but their products are certified free of harsh chemicals and dyes, and they all have 10 years warranty. In order to get a 40% off of their product, make sure you are using the promo code Sexology to support us and also get a really good deal with their products. You can find the link in the show notes. It's CozyEarth.com forward slash discount forward slash Sexology. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Melissa Dumas. 
Hello and welcome back to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I am so excited and honored to welcome my friend and one of my wonderful colleagues, Melissa Dumas. Melissa, welcome to our show. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Nazanin. It's awesome to be here and to have this conversation with you today. We actually had this conversation so many times together for our listeners that uh, Melissa and I used to co-facilitate, co-moderate several rooms in Clubhouse during the pandemic. And it was one of the topics that we're talking about. And especially with Melissa, she works with lots of high achieving parents. And when I got these questions from you guys, I thought this would be a great opportunity to have her on our show. Well, Melissa, tell us what are, what do you see is common among parents when it comes to their intimate life? One of the things that I see that's common is the shift or the change that will take place once a couple decides to become parents. I think that they don't anticipate, like, you know, they know that life will change, but they don't anticipate just how much life will change. And then also the anticipation that it may change based off of a child. And so, for example, if a parent brings home a child after birth and delivery and that child sleeps through the night, then parents may have a very different restful night. And that may look differently in regards to their relationship and how it impacts the intimacy in their relationship. But child number two may be the child that comes home and doesn't sleep through the night. And then that creates a shift or a change in how they're connecting during bedtime or after bedtime. So we don't always take into consideration how adding a child or adding a baby or adding or growing a family to the couple dynamic and how it's going to shift things around. Well, I love that you brought up an example, even for the couples from one one child to another, that can be a different experience. And with that, I, I can imagine even like people at times, they have special need children or there are their children going through a tough period of time. And I've seen a lot in my clients that when the one of the partner feels that their partner is not having their back, they're alone in doing chores, they're alone in kind of taking care of the child, they are not going to be open about having sex. They feel resentful or at times they, they might even unconsciously weaponize sex. So is that something that you have seen as well? I have seen that. And one of the, the culprits to that is we go into this season or this chapter of our relationship or our marriage or our partnership with these unspoken expectations. And, you know, and we here in America live in this society where there's these very gender specific roles that a man is supposed to play or a woman is supposed to play or who's more maternal or who's more paternal. And if we are not speaking about those roles and what they look like in our specific family, we may find ourselves knowingly or not knowingly ascribing to the rules or of the society or the expectations of the society. And one of those biggest shifts is when one partner decides to be a stay-home parent with the children or with the child, then that creates a shift in the family dynamic as well. One of the most common ones that I've seen is that the stay-home partner is, quote, you know, air quotes, responsible for all the home duties and all wild duties. And if that hasn't been communicated, then that can absolutely build some resentment or build some unspoken expectations. And then absolutely, if, if a partner has used all of their energy throughout the day to tend to the home, to tend to the children, when the other partner gets home, they may have any energy or they may not 
you know, be as willing, as open to connect with their partner, they may feel exhausted. Absolutely. I think, as you mentioned, communication is such a big part of it. I remember a few years ago, I had this conversation with a client of mine, and they were very traditional. And the husband said, I got home and the, the wife put the child on me because she wanted to go out, but I'm a breadwinner. And he was so mad at that. It's like, I didn't say anything because I, I was so shocked, but then I was mad at her. So, and again, it's a matter of communication. This is the script I'm having about like this, what's supposed to be a breadwinner, what's supposed to be a homemaker or what are we doing? Because sometimes also I have seen that also with my clients at times that it's, we have challenges with asking for help. We, we think we have to do it all. So we're kind of like, even our partner sometimes might be willing to help, but we feel it's a failing if we're not be able to do it. I think that also can be impactful in the relationship. And I think the other part right. of it is social media, right? That like, I, right. I have so many wonderful influencers I'm following and they have young children and their feed is perfect. And I'm sure they have their own struggles. But if I was a young mother, maybe I was feeling a feeling that, okay, other people are getting it. They're doing it. I, I must be able to do it, which of course that's not the case. Right. Absolutely. It's not the case. And communication, as you said, is a huge piece of it. And even if that communication starts in the dating phase or in the wooing or the engagement phase or the family planning phase. One of the questions that I've heard recently is another woman asked is what do dads do? And so even if it's that simple or that basic of a question to what do dads do for you? What is your vision of what dads do? What do moms do? And to have that conversation. And if those roles are very, as you used the word earlier, Nazanin, traditional, and one of us doesn't ascribe to those traditional roles, then that's a conversation that we should be having very early on. The other thing too, is as we are thinking about, you know, one parent being a breadwinner or more of the breadwinner, does that mean in your relationship that that absolves them from all the parenting duties? And that's something to talk about too. Like, yes, you're a breadwinner. However, I would still like help in these ways, which brings me to the conversation about help. You know, you're right. A lot of people, especially ambitious, high achieving client couples feel like asking for help means that I'm failing. I should be able to do this. I should have the energy or I should have the knowledge or the wherewithal. And just because we've been successful in so many other areas of our lives doesn't mean there is an area that we are, aren't going to have challenges with. And I'm of the mindset, as my private practice is called You Help You, that not asking for help is how we're failing. Not asking for help is how we're failing ourselves because there's so many resources out there from within our household, with our partner, from outside of our household that we can ask for help. And for the young mom who is scrolling social media and seeing all these beautiful influencer posts, to please remember it's curated, it's curated, it's created, it's to give you the awe. Right. It's part of the business marketing for, for many people. And I agree with you. And I think it's important to think about this the same way that you, if you want to advertise any kind of business, if you have a company and they're showing like perfect picture of their employee, that would be the same. The other challenge that I see at times with some couples is that finding time to have sex. Like even if you're divvying up the tasks, you both are involved, the dynamic has changed and also your responsibility has changed. So, so 
how can people manage to find time to be intimate? That's a great question. I, I think that is just like many things that we're talking about today. It is individual based and couple based. I've even recommended to some clients. They've talked about how their children sleep in in the mornings and how in, in the household the mornings are so quiet and so still, and that they appreciate that time. And that one of the main complaints has been. Having sex at night has been difficult because one partner falls asleep. And I said, have you considered morning sex? And they both had these light bulb moments like, oh my gosh, <laughs> we didn't think about that. Like the kids are sleeping. It's quiet. It's still, we're, we're both awake. We're not sleepy and tired and drained from the day. And so rather than seeing lovemaking as something that has to happen at a set time, at night or at bedtime or when we're at together, to open your mind to the idea of lovemaking happening in other ways. It could be the start of your day rather than the end of your day. If you have um, support where you can maybe go and visit the other person at their office, you know, then then have a little office nookie. You know, there are other times to consider. (laughs) And then, you know, instead of lunch break where you're going out to eat McDonald's, have a lunch break where you're enjoying each other. And the, the other options, too, are shower. You know, I recommend that to my clients, too. Like both of you have to take shower if you're open to having a shower together, having sex or making love in the shower. It may not be traditional as to what it looks like in the bedroom, but it can definitely be a way to still connect. And it could be a way to even add some spice to the relationship since things may be looking very different as you are welcoming children or or you're living life as parents. The other thing too, that I've learned from, from you, Nazanin, is that it's okay to schedule sex. You know, I, that is something that you shared in, in a podcast episode that we did together on my podcast. And as much as I know that as a woman, a mother and a clinician, but when you said it, it was like, yes, sex doesn't always have to be spontaneous. You know, we can absolutely schedule it. And that even though it's scheduled, that doesn't take the joy out of it. You know, we can reframe that sentiment of like, oh, well, it's not going to be as enjoyable. No, what it means is that you are extremely interested in spending this time with your partner and reconnecting that you want to make it a priority. I love all the points you mentioned. And I think shower sex, just so many great things about it, right? I think there's a part of like there's an element of people feel uncomfortable about their kind of body and smell and all of that. And also the act of being in shower with someone and so intimate and washing them and all of that can be also very connecting and kind of connected to what with what you mentioned that it doesn't need to be certain kind of sexual behavior. Like I think for parents and many people they think about successful sex is penetration or kind of like oral sex otherwise it's not sex but the idea is like thinking about what is the meaning of sex for you guys if it's about connection is it about passion there's just so many different ways that you can explore that 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 doesn't require your body to perform in a way this perfect way because sometimes when we're exhausted then we have like a huge mental load on our mind it's hard to be able to kind of be as responsive in our body but kind of doing a sensual massage in the shower or washing each other that could be part of your sexual connection that you have and I think it requires some mental adjustment I want to hear your thoughts about that kind of like having sex while your kid is home I hear that for many parents like new parents it's very very scary it was like I gave this talk once at the uh, elementary school and that was the question that women were say asking it's like you know I just it's weird they can maybe hear us so what do you think about that I, I can understand that sentiment. And I've even recommended that clients get a sound machine, either mm-hmm. putting that outside of their children's rooms or outside of their rooms. And it just creates that kind of 
white noise sound. I think that could help to drown out. And then also, if you are a person that likes to be verbal or that likes to, you know, get loud during your during your lovemaking, then consider that too. Maybe there's the closing of the doors or if it's happening in the in the bathroom, then maybe there's not just the closing of the bedroom door, but closing the bathroom door. There, you can play the music, you can turn the television on, that there's so many other ways to create sound so that you still feel comfortable with your lovemaking with your partner. And maybe even you try something new. Maybe you, you know, make a make make fun with it and say, okay, let's see who can be the quiet who's ever not whoever isn't the quietest then they have to and you know and place a wager on the table they have to do the next full body massage or or something of that nature the other thing that is common for couples with children is to if they have the sport or the child care to schedule date nights but not just schedule date nights but to schedule one away in a hotel and then even if that hotel is local, a lot of times we have this misconception that if I'm booking a hotel, it's because I'm out of town or it's because I've traveled. You can literally book the nicest or, you know, the hotel that's in your budget down the street just to have the experience of lovemaking with your partner without the constraints of I have to be quiet or I have to keep my volume down or I have to um, remain in the bedroom or in the bathroom that I don't have the flexibility to go other places throughout the house to make love to my partner. Book a night at a hotel and you can be as free as you would like to be. I think that's such a great idea. And I think can be kind of like adding a level of kind of novelty and excitement. So you can almost bring another part of yourself to this date. Like you can role play. There's so many great potential with kind of like even doing that minor adjustment. I think can be very powerful. I know that for some of my clients, they have a concept of family bed, that they have their children sleeping in their bed. What are some of the suggestions you have for those couples? I I have known couples as well that bed share or that co-sleep up until their children reach a certain age. I've heard a variety of things. I've heard some couples that say they will transfer the children into uh, their own beds for a couple of hours or the amount of time that they want to spend together, and then they'll bring the children back. I have also heard that couples say that they will leave the children in the bed and they will go to another room, or if they are wanting to add some level of novelty to it, then they'll go to the living room or to the kitchen, or if they live in a home where they can venture into the backyard. So that is an opportunity to get creative and to again go back to the understanding that lovemaking doesn't just it's not confined to the bedroom lovemaking is not confined to the bed it could be wherever that you feel safe and comfortable to engage and as we've been calling to connect and reconnect with your partner and so being open to the ideas and if you even want to make a game out of it you can even you know have each of you write the places within your home that you would like to make love put them in a hat and then draw and then draw from there. Like, okay, well, Tuesday night, this is where we're making love Friday night. This is where we're making love. So everyone gets a chance at the place that they have dreamed or fantasized about making love within the household that is outside of the bedroom where you may be co-sleeping. I love all of these creative solutions you're offering. And I think it's a matter of kind of having flexibility. I think I tell parents that sometimes they have this vision of like perfect quote unquote, perfect sex that needs to be, things need to be perfect unless we're not having sex but with having a child and parenting as long as you are like having good enough sex I think you are you're doing fantastic I tell people I'll tell people like b minus sex it can still can be great like if you're having consistent b minus sex I know that like grading for sex doesn't make sense but even if you're thinking about grading like b minus sex versus having a plus sex once every two years 
like which one would you want? So I think it's matter to kind of, it's important to think about that as well. Right. Absolutely. And with the idea of, of being open and flexible to look at that entire season of life as things are changing. And so our family is changing and growing. That means we are also changing and growing, which also you know, impacts our relationship and that's changing and growing too. And so remembering to be open, to be open to trying things, to be open to hear each other out and to communicate like that's not working for me. I want to try this now because we don't know if we're going to enjoy sex in the kitchen, sex in the living room, sex outside of the bedroom, unless we've at least tried it. Absolutely. I agree. And at times I get couples that they bring them and I can imagine that would be the case for you as well. Like they, they kind of in a way drag their partner for couples therapy because they are so sexually frustrated from their partner because of like the kind of the early period of parenting, whether they, they felt that their, their partner was not sexually available or right now they feel like they're not interested anymore. It's just like because of those challenges. And they're not, not being communicative of those needs can really impact the relationship. So something that was at the early on, it was about sexual frustration. Now it's about you're, you're not a good partner for me or leads to all sorts of things. So when a partner feels the sexual frustration, how do you recommend them to communicate that with the partner? Of course, it's a very, at times, complicated situation because your partner is attending to kind of your child. So I think it's important to keep that in mind. But tell us, I know like communication is one of those ninja tricks that you have. <laughs> so tell us. Yeah. <laughs> I think that one of, one of the key factors in communicating, and this is something I teach all of my clients, couples or not, is the use of I statements. And if you are listening to this episode and you've heard me speak anywhere else, I am a big fan of I statements. And I think that, you know, commonly when we address our frustration, sexual frustration, or dissatisfaction in a relationship, it is very easy to go to a place of blaming, even if that's not your intent. But the beauty of an I statement is that it automatically puts you in position where you're not blaming, where you're taking ownership over your own feelings. You're taking ownership over expressing your feelings and letting your partner know how you feel and the reason that you feel that way. And that opens the communication up rather than closing it and shutting down. Because naturally, if someone feels blamed for how you feel, then they are going to get defensive or they may shut down themselves or they may find ways to defend themselves. And so if I say, I feel really sexually frustrated because we have not been love making love the way that we used to or making love as much as I desire, then that opens it up. But if I say, you make me sexually frustrated because you're not having sex with me, it's like, well, what did I do? All I did was have a baby, you know, and it's easy to then want to defend ourselves or to feel like our partner doesn't understand. And so if I can use an I statement, then I open up the communication and I allow room for compassion. I allow room for empathy and I allow room for both of us to talk and share about where we are because the other partner may be feeling the same way, but maybe their sex drive is low. Maybe there, and if it's a woman who just had the baby, maybe it's her hormones that are still balancing back out. Postpartum is a big thing too. And there's a big shift in a woman's hormone. And if it's a mom who's nursing, that can play an impact in her as well. Me being a mom of three, I know that feeling of like children clamoring all over you all day long, or even, you know, in full transparency, being a mom of three who nursed that feeling of like, I just want my body to myself. 
but your partner doesn't know that if you haven't openly had that communication, if your response has been push away, push away, I don't want to without communicating as to the reasons why. I think so many great points that you mentioned, I think all of them, those are very valid and important. And I think also for people to think about hearing someone doesn't mean you have to do something about it. You have the choice of doing something about it. But I also see sometimes that people feel that, okay, my partner is saying this. If I let them say that, it means that I have to have sex with them and I don't have the desire. I have painful sex, all of those things. So the anxiety shows up and we want to shut down the conversation conversation. But if showing that, okay, they have the right to have their own experiences. And as a partner, I'm here for them. But again, having my own back and kind of talking about my own experiences, it can help with opening up that, as you mentioned, the dialogue and kind of thinking about the flexibility of maybe you have a desire and I don't have an appetite. So what can we do right now to have those connections? I have many of clients that they kind of like do mutual masturbation or sensual massages or kind of like even change a relationship agreement. I, I know some of my clients, they don't like, like before the agreement was like, if you're kind of engaging in solo experiences or masturbating, that's not okay. But then now maybe it could be a kind of way of kind of renegotiating and revisiting those conversations. So I think that's also part of it. The other challenge that I see that at times couples scheduling it, they want to be intimate with their partner because in a bigger picture, they know that's important for health of the relationship. But if we have 10 minutes while our child is napping or just such a quick window, I know especially for many of my clients, getting in the mood is challenging for a quickie. Like even your body getting ready can be challenging. So what are some of the tips that you have for the moms that they only have 10 minutes and they, they want to be able to get in the mood. Right. Great question. And I want to go back to, I want to start with going back to a statement that you've made and you've made it twice now, which is redefining your definition of what sex is. Because, you know, like you said earlier, we commonly go to, oh, that means penetration. Oh, that means one of us or both of us has to orgasm. And so if we think about redefining that, then a quickie could be, we can't have sex in the form of penetration, but we can have oral sex. Or we can't have oral sex mutually, but I can provide a blowjob, or you can provide something for me, or we can mutually masturbate because we have to look over our shoulders to make sure the kids are coming down the stairs, like whatever that is, <laughs> you know? So part of that preparing and being in the mood, I think is waking up every morning morning or every day with this mindset, especially if you are the parent that is staying home or that is a primary caretaker of the children. And even if you're not, even if you're the breadwinner that's going out into the rest of the world and working, because we know that can be stressful too. When you wake up being intentional about savoring some part of you mentally, emotionally, physically, that you can save for yourself and that you can save for your partner. So ultimately not starting your day with this attitude of giving all of yourself away. I'm a big fan of, you know, especially for clients who are, are good about neglecting themselves, good about putting themselves on the back of the self-priority bus, find some ways to lock in where you can save your, some of you for yourself 
yourself and or for your partner. And so that can be one way, knowing that, okay, I'm going to go to work or I'm going to tend to these children today, but I'm going to use my energy differently because I want to spend time with my partner later. That is one way. Another way is to think about it like if you're preparing a meal, some dishes that you prepare cannot be cooked from frozen. And so with that mindset in mind, you know that like, all right, I have to turn on the oven X amount of minutes early or, oh, I have to pull it out of the freezer to unthaw it. Knowing your partner well enough, what does it take to unthaw them? And are there some things that I can be doing throughout the day to turn on the oven or preheat the oven before I'm ready to bake? What are some things that I can do throughout the day to start unthawing that frozenness to prepare for later? And that can be by speaking their love language throughout the day. That could be by flirting throughout the day. That could be by communicating or dropping hints like, hey, babe, we haven't made love in a while. I'm hoping that tonight that we can do that. So then maybe your partner will hear that as, okay, let me prepare myself for later. I, I think that's such a great analogy of kind of comparing it with cooking the meal. And sometimes people think about foreplay. Okay, we have to touch each other's genital and we cannot do that in front of the children. But what you said that exactly makes makes sense that it could be seduction can start from the morning. You can text each other sexy pictures, sexy kind of like sex, do some little bit of a sexting, can do like some kind of like massages, like non-event sexual massages in the morning. So you are preparing yourself and your partner's mind and body for sex and you're building this anticipation. I think that's really important. And also kind of communicating and you care for them. One of my friends, she's saying that whenever my husband starts washing dishes, at night, I know that he that we're, we're gonna have sex. <laughs> <laughs> Look, cleaning it can be a foreplay too. <laughs> <laughs> right, like doing chores can be a right, exactly. play. And I think one, one other piece of it, I know we're laughing about it, but if you're helping your partner to have left, less on their kind of mind and less pressure, so they have more uh, physical ability to show up for you. And of course, that's not going to be like only reason that you're doing it, but it can help if you feel less exhausted. So I think that could be part of it. And the other part is kind of like foreplay can start alone. I work with lots of mom that they say they say like my, my husband is not good with kind of like sending sexting or their love language is not through kind of like writing things for me or sending visual things but you can start listening to maybe some steamy erotica podcast yourself or you can start like reading your favorite kind of like a book that it turns you on you're watching your series that is really steamy and exciting in the morning so you can have your own ritual whether your partner is going to be able to be part of it or not and I always have this conversation in front of the other partner in the couple session and uh, the other partner would love it. They say like, yes, I would be happy to contribute. And yes, please start on your own. Yes, yes, absolutely. And I love the idea of listening to music, which prompts me to think of other ways to engage our senses. So that could be if you're home, if, if lighting candles is your thing, then, you know, having the candles lit and preparing the scene before your partner even arrives can be one way of getting yourself into the mood. And then the other thing too is, you know, in your thoughts, you can start dreaming or fantasizing or thinking about the things that you want your partner to do with you or that you want to do with your partner. That is another way to start setting the tone and getting yourself into the mood. So all those are absolutely beautiful examples and ways that we can unthaw ourselves, you know, before we are ready to cook. 
Well, for people that for some reason they're kind of going out is not available to them, what are some of the sexy date night ideas you have for them? Absolutely. So some of the ideas could be uh, preparing a meal at home together, and that may look like feeding the children, whatever it is that you want to prepare for them, getting the children to bed, and then deciding to do a meal at home together. One of the common ones that some of my couples have found to be a little bit sexier than, than other meals is having a at-home sushi night. So if sushi is your thing, then, you know, having the ingredients and preparing sushi together. And then that could be over your favorite beverage or over your favorite cocktail. It could also be watching your favorite rom-com if that's your thing or your favorite romantic movie. Another one that we just mentioned is lighting candles, playing music. So finding ways to engage the senses at home, a game night at home together. And and there's so many fun games out there for couples. There's some of my favorites to recommend to couples are these card games where you get to pull questions and then you can ask each other certain questions. And so one thing I tell my couples, I said, it's also okay to stack the cards. You know, you can stack them so that you get to the good, hot and juicy questions right away, rather than hoping that you're going to get to that question. So one of you or both of you can, you know, sneak into the card stack and just stack them. Another one is, you know, I'm a big fan of offering up a wager, like, okay, we're going to play this game. Whoever wins the the top three game, the top three times, then they're eligible for massage or they're eligible for pleasure without, you know, feeling like they have to return pleasure and return to their partner. So there's little fun ways that you can add wages to it. Or one of the traditional ones, I don't know how to play poker, but strip poker, or it could be strip, whatever the game is. All right. We're playing tic-tac-toe. If you win this round, then I have to take off one clothing item until we look up and we're both nude and now we're in the mood and we're going to get going. So many great tips. Uh, One of my clients, she was saying that one thing that was really helpful for them was she was cooking naked and that drove their partner wild. And the other idea (laughs) is that like blindfolding your partner and like making them, asking them, guess what, what is this ingredient? And it could be a playful, all sorts of thing that doesn't cost anything. And, you know, sometimes people have different interests. So you can kind of take turns of this night is your night and the other night is mine. You were talking about playing cards, maybe because we're therapists. I personally love those cards. <laughs> and my <laughs> husband doesn't like it as much. Like I pull the card, I can talk and talk about it. <laughs> right, like, exactly. He's saying like one <laughs> sentence. But I think the idea of, okay, so this night is my night. So we can play card and maybe Friday is your night and we can maybe watch some porn if that's okay for us and we can kind of like that could be part of it for us if you're of course you don't want to expose children to that but if you have like children are out of the house or for any reason you have privacy or could do the street poker as you mentioned and what a hot idea of having this exchange right that like kind of having all sorts of fun sexual thing that you can do one of the sex educator that I follow she was talking about she talks about these two uh, two minutes gifting your partner thing so maybe the game could be like two, you're doing this two minutes and then I'm doing this for two minutes so it could be kind of like doing different kind of kind of like sexual or sensual things 
of course, you can always negotiate, but that's also something that that can be kind of helpful and hard and unexpected. Because right. I think the main challenge that many people have in long-term relationship, when you have a child or not, that, that dopamine, early dopamine is no longer there. And sometimes people feel that's a death of the romance. But what I say is just a matter of it requires more intentionality. Right. Absolutely. It does. And even if you think about it from, from the perspective of if you are into fitness or working out, if you're consistently doing the same workout to the same muscle, the muscle is going to create memories. I'm like, all right, I'm not responding to that anymore because I already know what that's about. And so you have to do a little bit of muscle confusion or try something different or a different workout or a different level of weight to continue to get results. And so very similar concept in your relationship as you're being intentional with harming or, or, or providing health to your body, being intentional about providing health to your relationship, to the lovemaking, to the intimacy, all those things are important. And there's also, you know, a lot of fun novelty ideas out there. So even if you have the freedom to venture out together to a novelty store, an adult novelty store, if you don't have the freedom to venture out together because of childcare, then maybe one of you going and picking up something, you know, to bring back, that can be an element of surprise. And that could be a way to mix things up, or as we call it, spice things up. Another one of my favorites that I've seen, and I recommend to couples are the coupons, you know, stores sell them. So you can find them online, you can find them in novelty stores. And sometimes the coupon is, oh, you owe me a massage, or you owe me this or that. Or you can also create your own if you want to get super creative and and do some things that you know that you and your partner would appreciate or some things that you know that you and your partner have been wanting to try. So having an exchange of coupons or just kind of randomly leaving a coupon on a nightstand is another way to invite intimacy and fun and excitement into the relationship. So many great options. I think it's just a matter of kind of like willingness that if I'm willing to do this for myself and for my relationship, I think that's a big part of it. And Melissa, I know you have a best-selling book that is kind of more of this and you have your own podcast. So I bet many of our listeners will learn more about they can find you. So tell us more about that. Awesome. Thank you. I do have a book. It is called The Love Challenge. It's The Love Challenge, 30 Days, 30 Ways to Increase the Love in Your Relationship. And it was literally made for the busy, ambitious individuals, the couple who have children, but they're looking for ways to continue the fire or to continue to grow the fire in their relationship. And so each day is a bite-sized idea or task that you can do to invite in more love. And then, but it's also written in a way that you could be doing the love challenge on your own and your partner doesn't even know, and you'll see a shift or you'll see a change. So that's called the love challenge, 30 days, 30 ways to increase the love in your relationship. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, or anywhere else that you purchase books. The other thing that you mentioned, my podcast is called the Hats Podcast. I have a co-host, her name is Carrie Harper Howie, and she and I literally talk about every hat that busy, ambitious people wear. We've had Nazanin on the episode to talk about the sex hats. We also had an episode recently where we talked about the networking hat. And we've talked about the mom hat, the wedding hat, the marriage hat. So, so many different hats just to help to provide 
real tips and real life stories about all the ways that we show up in the world and all the busyness, you know, in that and how to make time for ourselves and pouring back into ourselves and acknowledging that wearing all these different hats can be hard. And I, I, I know that you wear so many of them so well. That's why I wanted you, I wanted to have you in our, my show because sometimes people feel like we all sometimes uh, therapists, mental health practitioners are good at preaching. Like you got to do this, you got to do that, but they're not that many people that practice it, but being friend with you and being close with you, I see that you are prioritizing and kind of like prioritizing connection, you're prioritizing health, all of that. And I think it's helpful to hear from a therapist and also someone that's managed it well. So I think sometimes it's just a matter of getting those tips and strategies. So the book is fantastic. The podcast is great. And if people are in LA, they can definitely come to your private practice. I know that you're a trauma trauma specialist. So the link will be in the show notes. And thank you so much, Melissa, for coming on the show and being so generous with sharing all of these tips on strategy. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. I, I absolutely love your podcast, Nazanin. So when you reached out to me, I was like, yes, 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 and yes. So thank you for having me. It has been awesome. I hope you guys found our conversation useful and meaningful. It's always a joy to have Melissa co-presenting, co-moderating things with me. And it was wonderful to have her on the show because what I love about her, she her approach has depth, but also she offers really good actionable tips. So you want to make sure that you're getting her book and listening to her episode because she's very thoughtful in her responses, as you've seen today. If you are interested to download a free checklist of nine of my personal favorite foreplay ideas, you can download it in the show notes here. There are some of the foreplay ideas that I got from my clients and incorporated in my life. So I think it might worth checking it out. At the end, I wanted to thank Cozy Earth again. Thank you so much for sponsoring this show. I have a multiple pajamas that I bought that wasn't provided to me because they're just so comfortable and it keeps me cool and I love their sheets. They are not the most expensive sheets out there, but they are pricier, but I think it's worth every single penny because it lasts so long. Some of my sheets that I have, the color is the same as the first day I bought them. And I had them for several months now and washed them regularly. And I think the other great thing is like it's temperature regulated. So if your partner tends to get warm in the bedroom, it helps you to remain sleep. It doesn't disrupt your sleep. So make sure you are checking out their website and use our promo code sexology to get 40% off. I'll talk to you guys next week right here. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.